Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome back to the Underdog Podcast Conference USA edition on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for the Group of Five and the FCS. Uh, we are continuing uh, the off-season series of interviewing coaches this morning with the head coach of the Charlotte 49ers, uh, Mr. Will Healy. Coach, it was great to see you at CUSA Media Days and great to talk to you now. Appreciate you guys having me. Looking forward to today. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Eric, I know this is a conversation that uh, we we always look forward to uh, in the offseason and during the season and um, uh, the the rousing uh, bout of, uh, you know, chicken fingers and, and outback ranch conversation at uh, Media Days was uh, a perfect <laughs> example of why. Guys, I am first off, you know, again, I'll echo our sentiments. Appreciate Coach Healy for making the time. I am upset, Joe, because, of course, you know, I'll bring the listeners in a little bit for those of you who weren't able to attend Conference USA Media Days. The the Niners were the grand finale. I think they hit the stage about 2.30 Central Time there in Arlington. Mm-hmm. I actually left. I stepped off at 1.45-ish to head back to the Airbnb to get riding on a on a couple stories. So I ended up missing Coach Healy, and, and, I, and, and as a result, I missed the Outback conversation. I missed Emily Van Buskirk, you know, doing the, the long lost, you know, separation of, you know, Coach Hilly's lovely wife, Emily and Joey Chestnut. I missed all the fun, apparently, all, I, all the all the good stuff. I missed it. But I'm um, not glad Coach can make the time to uh, to jump in here. Uh, Coach, you know, we'll go ahead and uh, jump right into it. You know, obviously, uh, at this point now you are in fall, fall practice, you know, leading up to week zero. Just kind of, you know, bring us up to speed as far as how things are going with fall camp. Well, you know, it's crazy to believe that you're, um, you know, you're you're kind of getting down the home stretch of this thing. Uh, You're about two and a half weeks in um, and, you know, got a big scrimmage tomorrow night and you're going to set it up like a game day and and, uh, a lot of live periods going on, making sure that our uh, that our ones are prepared to go play in the first game. But yet we get a chance to see if any of these twos can help us, especially some of our young guys. And um, I've been I've been really proud of them. I enjoy coaching this football team. I think we've had some great senior leadership, some guys who decided to come back for their last year um, and and they want to do something that's never been done before. And they also understand how difficult that's going to be considering our schedule. So um, they've worked really hard. We've grinded. Um, you know, we've made it hard on them. We've been through some really adverse situations. And I, I think our leadership stepped up and, and these guys have answered the challenge. Coach, you mentioned the schedule and I want to kind of piggyback off right there as, you know, we kind of talk a little bit, you know, before we were taping. I know you're full speed ahead, week zero, not getting anywhere ahead of that. Of course, a big matchup coming down to this neck of the woods, about an hour north of me here in uh, South Florida. You're playing uh, the FAU Owls. But I do want to ask you a little bit, Coach. You, you've talked about the opportunity to kind of have some of those impact wins, you know, big time wins to really kind of enhance the program. You did that last year by beating Duke at home. How important is it to get, you know, a couple challenges you have this year on the on, on the schedule in terms of 
You get Maryland, another ACC opponent at home, September 10th. And then you head to Columbia, South Carolina to take on the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks. You know, I, I think our schedule is a, a challenge. It's it's very difficult. Um, and it it's it's really easy to focus on the first game when you're playing FAU. Um, obviously, they ha- have a, a tremendous history and uh, have had some incredible coaches come through there, Willie uh, being one of them, and, and a, an extremely talented football team. And uh, they got after us a year ago. And so, um, you know, not much thought has gone into anything other than FAU. Uh, but, you know, it's impossible to not look at the schedule and say each week is a big week. I mean, there are there are no circled wins on the schedule. And uh, that's great for us because each, each week's an opportunity to get a huge win. And so, um, you know, I think our guys understand what's ahead of them and, and uh, we're going to have to refocus and, and reset each and every Sunday. Again, if you're just joining us, we are joined by Charlotte head coach Will Healy, the pride of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Sure. Coach, want to you know jump to some of your uh, your excuse me, some of your your staff changes here, and of course you have a new defensive coordinator in Greg Brown. Just wonder if you could talk about that a little bit, and you know, it's kind of what you're looking for out of the defense, and you know, kind of trending in the right direction for you and your program. Yeah, I don't think it's any secret that actually, uh, um, you know, we didn't play well enough to be able to uh, to do what we wanted to do a year ago, and then I think. That was coupled with, um, you know, offensively we turned the ball over too much. And so they worked hand in hand. Games where I thought we played much better defensively, we would turn the ball over four or five times. And so it didn't seem like we were able, ever able to play a complete game. Um, and, and so, you know, we made some changes on the defensive side. Some were, you know, we needed to make changes. Some were guys took jobs other places. And so um, I think they're unbelievable coaches, the guys that were here with us. It just – wasn't working. Um, and I, you know, I, to be able to bring two guys in with Greg Brown and Brian Baker, who have seen it and done it for a long time, it's been nice for me to be able to ask them questions and, um, and to be able to learn from them and, and know that those guys have answers because they've seen it and done it for such a long time. Uh, you know, they've got unique coaching styles. I think they're excited, they're energized. Um, all of the things that are important for me, for our culture, I think they bring to the table, uh, plus a lot of experience and wisdom. And uh, I've been able to see that, see that play out. Uh, I'm excited about our new coaches, Corday Hankton, uh, Cap Didi. We've promoted Tyler Chadwick from within. And then obviously we talked about Greg and, and Bake. So uh, it's it's been a good fit, fit so far. Obviously, the when the uh, when the season gets here, it's a different type of adversity and hours and uh, and all that stuff that we're already seeing during camp. But uh, I'm excited about where we're heading. Coach, you're, you're entering your, your seventh year as a head coach, and obviously you're, you're entering your fourth year at Charlotte. Just wondering, what would you tell yourself, you know, when you began this coaching journey, what you know now? What's, you know, one or two things that come to mind? It's like, man, if I had the knowledge back then, you know, I started in 2016, it'd been nice to have that, you know, tidbit here or there. You know, I mean, I, I think you – you learn from so many of your mistakes and I've made plenty of them as a head coach. Um, I would say the biggest thing would be consistency. You know uh, what you start off the season, holding them accountable for is the same thing you need to be holding them accountable for at the end of the season. Um, You know, don't ever let your culture slide. Don't ever let a player be bigger than your, than your program. Um, and you know, that these guys want to be coached hard and they want to be held to a standard. And it's my job to be able to, to hold them to that. Uh, 
you know, the things that to me in our program that are larger than the game and, and teach them lessons of life uh, need to remain the same things that we're talking about week 12, just like we're talking about them in preseason camp. Um, you know, so I, there's just I could go back and write a book on how many things I've messed up. Uh, and, you know, probably each and every year, if you don't feel like you were a complete moron the year before, then you haven't learned enough of, uh, about the situations you put yourself in. Every practice, I learned something new, how to handle a situation, how to handle a, a late game situation or a, a player. What what motivates this guy? Uh, you know, how to. communicate correctly to staff, make sure that they understand my expectations and then hold them accountable for our culture. There's so many different things, but I think the biggest thing would just be consistency and organization. A couple more for you before I pass the line of questioning it off to Joe. Coach, you're the ninth Conference USA head coach that we've had the pleasure of speaking with this offseason. Actually, 10th, because we we just spoke with Willie Taggart earlier today. Um, And we've asked all of the head coaches this question. Obviously, the transfer portal is here to stay in college football, and it's a hot topic. I want to ask you this. Um, as a group of five head coach, do you have to change the way that you kind of approach, you know, roster management in the off season? Is it you kind of have to adopt more of, you know, for lack of a better phrase, maybe an NFL style of roster management, knowing that you're going to lose X amount of guys, you know, to maybe a power five or to transfers or whatever it may be. What's your approach to, you know, kind of the, the roster management in today's college football? I, I think that it's about being transparent, parent and honest. Um, have conversations with your guys, you know, figure out what it looks like in November. Um, what's your experience like? You know, is this a place where you'd like to come back? Are you happy here? Um, you know, and then you got maybe five guys a year that are going to have opportunities to be able to go take large paychecks to go somewhere else. And they're going to be recruited by other people. I don't think there's any stopping that. Um, and so it's being realistic. You know, I, I asked the staff this plenty of times is that if any of you had a chance to go make another three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars, would you go do it? And, you know, if they're honest, they're saying yes. So why would I expect it to be any different with one of our players? Um, And so that's going to happen when you recruit, right? People are going to recruit your players. Um, It's my job to make sure and focus in on what type of experience they have here and make sure that we show growth in this program. Obviously the move to the AAC next year is a big deal. And so, you know, this program should continue to get better. The resources should get better. The experience should continue to get better. Uh, and it has to for us to be able to compete at that level. So um, I, I think guys are excited about the direction we're going. Um, and whether that be keeping coaches or keeping players, you know, what what my number one job is is to make sure nobody gives coaches or players a better experience than we do. And that's what I fight for every day. Coach, last one for you. And of course, listen to our podcast and you've been on now three times. You know, we got to end at least each of our lines of question with a fun question. So going to throw this one out of here at you. You know, of course, we're going to talk a little bit of a little bit of food and music on the podcast. And I will take the uh, the music aspect of it. Coach, when you were at Richmond from 2004 to 2008, what was Will Healy pumping in the speakers as he was, you know, leaving practice or before games? What, what was the, the soundtrack to Will Healy's college days? Garth Brooks. No question about it. Uh, and it's still what I what I listen to on the way from practice now. Um, nothing's changed. And so he's been my favorite for a long time. It's Garth Brooks. It's Eric Church. Um, you know, and I was listening to the same thing back in 2005, 6, 7, and 8. Um, those are those are the two that I, I enjoy the most. There you go, Joe. You heard it from the man himself. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a popular one with the college football crowd for sure. Uh, Coach, you know, I want to ask you about um, the 
defensive line depth in uh, CUSA here. And, you know, obviously Marquise Watts, your guy is part of that. But, you know, I'm curious on the offensive side, um, when you're coaching up your offensive line, getting ready to go up against guys uh, on your schedule like uh, Prezama Hule, Jordan Ferguson, uh, you know, the good pass rushers in CUSA, what does that look like in terms of getting your O-line ready to go up against those kind of guys? Well, we're fortunate in that we got some really good ones here. And so um, I'd put those guys in the same category. Marquise Watts, Amir Sadiq, I think will be two guys that will have big years rushing the passer. And so our guys have to compete against each and every day. And so uh, you're you're right. There's some really, really good defensive linemen in this league. And, um, you know, our, our guys get some great practice by going against two that I think are special as well. Well, you know, speaking of practice, we saw that clip on uh, social media the other day of, of you donning the the ref outfit. I would, would love the little uh, background story on uh, what that was about and uh, what, you know, how, how much you enjoyed doing that with your guys. Well, we got to the scrimmage on Saturday and uh, we didn't have officials to nobody's fault, but um, it seemed to be something that the staff was a little bit concerned about where, you know, we need to have officials at, at practice and, uh, you know, we're, we'll have them tomorrow night at the scrimmage, but we just didn't have them for this past week. And so to kind of lighten the mood a little bit, um, it was, all right, no job too small. Here I go. I'm going to put on, I had some, uh, some sweatpants in the locker and uh, all of our managers are always in officials uh, jerseys anyway. And we had a really nice conference USA hat. So, hey guys, uh, you know, you, you think this is a problem. I'll give you a solution. And, uh, I'll do my best to, you know, to officiate it as well as possible. So just making light of the situation and uh, and also, you know, making sure that when I was doing it, I did the best job I could and and uh, tried to call as, you know, call it tight, as many holds, PIs, uh, you know, didn't take any back talk. And, and I got a new appreciation for what it's like to be a referee uh, especially in this league and, and, uh, hearing coaches gripe at you, players gripe at you. I know what those guys, I, I got a small look at what those guys live with every day. And, uh, hopefully it give me a better understanding as I, as I am with those guys this fall. How much are we finding Chris Reynolds for trying to bribe you? I think it was actually kind of a smart move. <laughs> um, you know, he, he's a, he's kind of got the innocent way of bribery too. It didn't come on too strong. So I told him he can use that in a couple of the first, you know, especially the first game. Uh, Eric mentioned we were talking to uh, Willie Taggart earlier today and uh, we were talking about his schedule. And uh, one of the things that was interesting about that conversation was he really didn't want to get past, uh, you know, that, that first week where they face you guys. So um, for you, obviously you got games like Maryland, South Carolina uh, on your schedule, as well as, you know, the rest of the conference USA slate. How do you kind of keep both your staff and your players from getting too ahead of themselves in terms of preparation? Yeah. I I think we learned a really good lesson a year ago. You know, you start off and you got some big buzz going after the Duke game and then we kind of lost focused. And obviously that's on the head coach. Uh, We weren't as consistent at the end of the year as we were at the beginning. And I don't know if we were as hungry at the end of the year as we were at the beginning. So I think we learned our lesson from a year ago. And again, when you have a schedule like we have, you don't have a choice. If you're not locked in, you're going to get beat. And so uh, it starts fast. We're going to figure out very, very quickly uh, how good of a football team we have when we go down to Boca in week zero. In terms of your receiving core, uh, you got Vic Tucker as well as Grant DeBose. And one of the things that, that seems to be interesting about those guys is they kind of draw attention uh, away from the other one. Usually defenses are like so 
preoccupied with one that they forget about the other. So how do you feel about where those guys are in, in terms of getting ready for the year here? Well, Vic has been the guy here for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you add, you know, the two last year that that had standout years were obviously Grant DeBose and then Elijah Spencer is, a, is an extremely talented sophomore for us. Um, you know, it, what's been great to see is we've had some other guys really step up. So now we've got a talented and deep room. Uh, Nolan Gruel has made some unbelievable plays this fall camp. You know, uh, J. Iris Mack has been really good. We added Trey Blunt, uh, who I think has got a lot of ability. Uh, you know, we've got six or seven guys that I think, you know, you can win because of. And uh, that the entire culture of that room has completely changed, much thanks to, to Vic uh, for his work ethic, how he prepares, what type of competitor he is, and uh, I think it's a special group. We're going to have to lean on ga- those guys to be as good as we want to be on offense. With uh, with Grant, one of the other things that uh, we caught on social media was um, when he kind of got the mic at uh, one of y'all's practices uh, earlier this summer. That was super entertaining. Um, you know, talk about you know his big personality and and what that kind of means in a, in a program where it seems like you guys definitely have several of, of those type personalities that try to keep things light and just you know enjoy the experience. Well, you're, you're thinking about – it was at the spring game, and you're thinking about, like, how do I make a spring game interesting for two hours, hour and a half, two hours? Um, you know, everybody's spring game kind of seems to be the same. You play a couple plays, you probably run the clock in the second half, and you get out of there. And after about the first 15, 20 minutes, I think people are kind of bored. And so what can make it interesting? So uh, that's the stuff – excuse me, that's the stuff I love. I love the the marketing side of it. I love the program branding and, you know, had a bunch of NFL players back, got a chance to interview them on the sideline and, um, you know, and, and go through some play calls and make sure our fans knew what was going on. And, um, you know, and then the last thing was, was Grant stealing the mic. And obviously that was a great insight for our fans as to, to Grant's personality because he's got a big one. Um, and, you know, obviously really proud of, what type of guy he is. And it's always fun to show off the, the, uh, the character of our players. And, um, you know, Grant probably had the mic a little bit too long. So I'll just be, I'll have him on a time, uh, you know, on a pitch count next time. (laughs) You know, coach thinking about, um, you mentioned you have such a passion for the, the branding side of college athletics. I'm curious where that comes from. I have been at, uh, Richmond, Chattanooga, Austin P, and here, and um, every one of them has been about. There's always another show in town, right? There's always uh, there was always a Tennessee game game going on when I was at Chattanooga. There was always a Virginia game going on when I was at Richmond, Virginia, Virginia Tech. There was always a you know a, a Tennessee or a uh, you know a, a Middle Tennessee Vanderbilt uh, Kentucky game going on when I was at Austin P, and there's always a a Panthers or, a, you know, plenty of other teams in our state that we have to compete with, uh, as well as, you know, Clemson and South Carolina and some of the some of the guys over there. So if you don't create an environment and, and an accessibility that uh, those others don't, then, you know, a lot of times they'll go pick to go to, to that place. If you don't or if you're not able to create an event and something that is unique at your place, then, you know, sometimes your other competition and what we have to be able to do in this incredible city, um, you know, that they may choose to do other things. So I think it's the accessibility of putting a face with a name, a relationship with our community. Uh, and it's also, you know, what makes you unique and different that they can, uh, you know, be able to have at your place that they can't have at others. And, 
for ours is it's accessibility and uh and relationships and i, I just I, I think it's important to be able to get fans i think it's important to you know reach out to our student body our players do an amazing job I've been in the classroom and we've gone from getting, you know, three or 400 students a game to now 5,000 students at games and, and packing this place out each and every Saturday and creating a really good home home field advantage. So uh, that's that's the marketing piece uh, because it makes it cool to play football at Charlotte. And now it helps those guys with their experience, which is all part of the recruiting process as well. In terms of that access for fans that you mentioned, what are some things that maybe you haven't gotten to do at, at, at any of your stops yet that you would like to see implemented in the future? I don't know. I mean, we've pretty much done it all. We hadn't held back. You know, we're wide open. If you want to come sit in a meeting, if you want to come to practice, we don't close practices and all that type of stuff. And you know what? I mean, I probably have opponents that are sitting at our scrimmage and I have no idea, but I, I, I just – to me, it's so much more about being welcoming and opening, uh, you know, than it is about trying to hide anything. And if somebody figures out what we're doing on defense too early, then good for them. You're spending more time worried about us than you are your own self. So um, I, I just our, – our fans know our players. They know our coaches. They they feel like they're wanted and welcomed. And when you walk in this building, it's it feels a little bit different. And so, you know, anything we've been – you know, we've wanted to do, we've pretty much done here and – uh, I think you can be successful at any level by uh, creating that type of environment. All right, Coach, we'll start start wrapping things up here. But um, I'm curious, if you could have a 15-minute conversation with any head football coach in the history of college football, living or dead, who would it be? Wow. Uh, it's a tough one. Somebody that I haven't already talked to, like somebody new? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd want to um, – I'd want to get uh, a a relaxed, open door Nick Saban. Um, you know, I I've been fortunate that I've had a chance to talk to some incredible ones: the Mac Browns, the Dabo Sweeney's, the Kirby Smarts, the guys like that. They've have been amazingly open. Um, I have never really had a chance to sit down with Nick Saban, and you would want him to be like unguarded and and really be able to talk about the process and how you know he organizes things and how he stays so hungry and keeps a group focused uh to me that would be a fun conversation i'm sure that would be a fun conversation all right uh last question for you um say it's the night before game friday night what are you doing at home to mentally prepare yourself for the next day's events playing with a seven-year-old and a three-year-old um you know i mean i I, look by that point in time friday night you know um your team's prepared they're ready and and to act like it's some you know i gotta go meditate to get ready i'm not taking the snap you know i mean i'm ready to um you know to be able to get a group motivated and play and have fun and it's a game, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't take myself too seriously. And, and, um, I love being able to get my mind off it of the, of it a little bit and, and play with my two boys and spend some time with my wife. Typically we have a bunch of people who've come in town for the game. So, um, you know, when I get home, it's time to be dad. It's not time to be coach. I can appreciate that coach. Thank you so much for your time. And, and thank you so much for, for being coach for a little bit longer with us this morning. And, uh, yeah, I know we're looking forward to seeing what your team does against Florida Atlantic coming up in like, by the time this publishes like a week out. Appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, coach. Have a great rest of your day. You too. All right. Thanks again to head coach, Will Healy from the Charlotte 49ers for joining us again. And, you know, 
Eric, it's rare that we have a coach who's uh, willing to talk to us as much as Coach Healy has over the last couple of years. So hopefully we're, we're doing something right on the uh, on the relationship side when a coach doesn't get sick of us. Yeah, well, I mean, it, is, is it rare, though? I mean, I feel like, put you this way, Will Healy is the leader in the clubhouse. He's at three. Mm-hmm. Which Davis is at two or three. Um, now, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, that won't, he won't get a chance to add to that. But was, was, was Butch at three or two? I think two, right? Uh, I might have been three, actually. Yeah, I think I think Butch might have been three. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, we got we got Butch for three. Um, Will Healy for three. So, you know, I, I think as as you know, we make our rounds, you know, Coach Healy will put you this way. Um, Coach Healy and, and Coach Davis, I think, were the first um, to you know come around and, and join us here on the podcast. So we, we've got to, you know, kind of give them a, a special, you know, uh, for lack of a better phrase, a, a grandfather clause or, you know, they get that 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 uh, that extra special, you know, recognition. But, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think we're making our rounds. I think, you know, we've got a couple others that are at two this past off season. So we're getting there. Good stuff. And, you know, I don't know if, how you felt, Joe, but uh-huh. in my mind, I, I, I don't think there, there are very few coaches, you know, I don't care if it's this league or not, that I think I could just talk to and, you know, shoot the breeze with when you got them in a relaxed setting like Will Healy. Uh, I love the answer he gave to your last question in terms of uh, it's, it's just football. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, listen, it is a job. It's important. And, you know, they obviously want to want to be successful at the same way we want to be successful at what we do. But I love to hear when coaches and they're able to remove themselves from the aspect of being that CEO of a team that, you know, need to be in charge of all things and can say, yeah, you know, I'm just I'm kicking it with my kids and my wife. And, you know, we're enjoying this company and, and you know, got family over. And because I think you hit the nail on the head at that point in time, look. I, I have never coached a a down of football in my life. I, I had the privilege of playing, you know, a year of college football, but I, I just never coached. I don't know that responsibility. But I am of the belief, Joe, that if it's Friday night at nine thirty, and you for some reason feel like you ha- are not prepared enough for the Saturday game, you ain't gonna be prepared. So that's mm-hmm. why I really appreciated Coach Ely's answer there. Yeah, by Friday night, the haze in the barn, I think, is the expression. <laughs> so you know. Have you, have you, was that just a, was, that probably wasn't a, a Florida thing, the Florida <laughs> expression, the haze in the barn? I have no idea what the hell you're talking about, Jeff. All right. I mean, essentially, it just means you've done everything you can in order to prepare. You just have to actually, you just have to actually execute. I think I, that must be a more rural <laughs> expression for football coaches, I think. Okay. The hay is in the barn. I just went ahead and did a, did a little Google search there. Um, uh-huh. Got it. Uh, okay. It, <laughs> Okay, I, I I don't know where I'm going to find neither hay nor a barn here in in South Florida, but in theory, if there there's not hay, Amish country anywhere close to you, uh, I, I ain't been to North Florida in a while. It could be, could be possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I I have looked it up and I and I get the idiom, sir. I see. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, can't thank coach uh, coach enough for his time and uh, appreciate his candor as always. Um, it's hard to believe we have made it through the summer. I think this is going to be either our last or our second to last episode before we actually dive into the week zero stuff. Um, so thank you all for sticking with us through the off season. I know we uh, were just, you know, <laughs> grasping at stuff to talk about a little bit there, but uh, certainly was an eventful off season with all the NIL stuff and the transfer rule changes and uh, conference realignment so uh now that i think about it we kind of had a lot of talk a lot to uh talk about so thank you all so much for the uh the growth on the podcast over the summer and hopefully we continue to you know bring y'all what you want to hear uh throughout this uh this 2022 
2023 season here. All right. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at underdog dynasty for updates from the site uh, at J O E H I O underscore is me at Eric C Henry underscore is Eric. And uh, we will be updating uh, this podcast every single week um, with some previews and uh, recaps of action in CUSA. And then we also got the Sunbelt podcast and the American Conference podcast for those that are looking for some, uh, for some more updates on those two leagues. Uh, happy football watching, everybody. The season is here. Let's do it. 